0: This is the non-microwave truth And I am CL Whiteside Over my lifespan I have had a number of different people That I have lived or traveled with In college I think I had seven different roommates In my, my five year span there I've traveled with a number of different people And I say all of this To get to the point that There comes a point in time where people say, hey, can I borrow your toothpaste? And this is our first world problem today. And I just want you to think about this. What is the right way? What is the correct way to get toothpaste out of the tube? Like, do you just go from the bottom? Do you go from the top or you just go from wherever to get the toothpaste out of the tube? Like, what do you think Jesus would do? in this predicament now this first world problem there's no necessarily um sin to a particular way that you do it but i definitely feel that there is a right or wrong way to do it or there's a best practice i should say and my opinion is that you definitely you definitely should come from the bottom like you should squeeze from the bottom and allow the rest of it to be to be full and then you work your way up you don't just squeeze from the top or just squeeze from the middle that's one thing my wife does. It's just like, man, you you testing my love, baby. Or I remember some people borrow my toothpaste and then they come back and it's all dented. And like, what what did you do, man? Like, Why did you squeeze the toothpaste out of the, the tube like that? Oh yeah. Another reason you squeeze from the bottom is because this is how you get the most out of the tube. Like if you squeeze from the middle or from the top, You're not going to get the most out of the the, the tube. I don't know. That's just where I'm from. That's how I always raise. You get all that toothpaste out. (laughs) And this is what I think Jesus would do. I think Jesus would understand the best practice is to squeeze from the bottom. But hey, this is our first word problem today. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. Do you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom? Do you squeeze it from the middle, from the top? Tell me your thought process and your philosophy. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Nagging Pool. Now, I'm gonna need a little audience participation. I'm gonna need you to guess this movie. It's a classic. Take a puff, take a hit. Craig, Craig, come on. It ain't like you got something to do tomorrow. You don't have to go to work. Come on, man. Take a hit. Craig, come on, man. Stimulate your mind, man. You ain't got nothing to do. Have you figured what movie I'm referring to? Did you guess it yet? If you haven't, that movie is called Friday. And in this movie, we have Craig who's feeling sorry for himself because he got fired on his day off for stealing boxes. And it's Friday. Like, this is the normal thing people do. People get high. And he has his boy Smokey there nagging and pulling at him to just get high. Like, don't worry about it. And Craig tries to get out of the situation by saying, hey, I don't smoke. I just drink. But it was kind of, it got to a point where it was like, why keep being different? When all that difference seemed to get him was fired on his day off. And Smokey's whole ploy or plot is like, man, you might as well enjoy Friday like everybody else. And Craig ended up smoking, getting high with Smokey. And the crazy thing about it is he ended up with more problems because his man Smokey, his boy, didn't tell him that he owed Big Worm. That's the D-boy out of the block or the neighborhood. He owed him $200 and they were smoking away the money that they owed Big Worm right there. Now, some of you might be like, man, I can't relate to this story. And I hope you can't exactly. I hope you didn't get fired for stealing boxes on your day off or that you like getting high. But I can guarantee that you have some things that are nagging at you, though, like trying to pull you away from God. It could be your parents. It could be teachers. It could be your boss at your job. It could even be your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend. I know a lot of times athletes feel like their coaches are nagging them or even your coworkers. Now, the question that I have for you is the three things that you should give the most time, energy, patience, and love to do you actually give those things the most time, energy, love, and patience? Or do you put those on the back burner? Do you cheat those things? Now, if you're like me, you don't deliberately do that. But the reason that we do not give the things that we should be giving time and love and patience to is because we got this nagging pull coming from somewhere else. That's that's taking our time and our energy and is making us take for granted those things that we listed as our as our top three. And in this episode of nagging pool, I want to look at the life of Samson. Samson dealt with a lot of. Nagging pools Samson was an Israelite He was a a Nazarite Meaning he could not have a razor Touch his head His life was to be dedicated to God And he could not have alcohol Now Samson Was unique because my man Had super super strength Like superhero strength And Samson's nagging pool Came in the form Of the women he picked Like his first wife and his first wife is recorded in Judges 14. And Samson decided to pick uh or to have be his wife a Philistine baddie. And it doesn't say that she was bad or beautiful, but I'm guessing that's how that's why he picked her. Because his parents, quote unquote, said this. Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? So giving you some context. The Philistines were the Israelites enemy and Samson is going among the enemies to pick his wife. I just guess she has to be fine. She has to be beautiful. Now, it says that God wanted to use this weird or what we would deem as bad request for a reason. Like it says his parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time, they were ruling over Israel. Now, don't think this is a way to pick a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse, though. This is not typical. But God made it happen. Samson ended up marrying her. And they had like a whole feast. Like they would party for a good time span. They would party for like at least a week. And her father, the woman that he picked, they gave him 30 companions to to add to this. And you could just tell Samson's a character because he says, let me tell you a riddle. This is what he said to the 30 companions. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. So Samson sets up a bet. And the 30 companions are like, all right, bet. Let's do it. Like, tell me the riddle. Let's hear it. And Samson replies, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. And Samson got this because my man Samson, I told you he had super strength, had tore a lion apart with his bare hands. Ripped the lion apart with his bare hands. I told you this man had like super strength. So Samson ends up coming back some time after this and he sees like honey in the carcass or in the bones of this this lion that he ripped apart. So that's where he got the riddle from. And it says for three days, these 30 dudes could not give him an answer. So on the fourth day, they go to Samson's wife and it's like, hey, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us or we will burn you and your father's household. Like, did you just invite us here to steal our stuff and to steal our property? So then what what does Samson's wife do? She threw herself on him, sobbing. You hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people the riddle, but you haven't even told me the answer. Wah, wah, wah. And Samson is like... I haven't even explained it to my father or mother, so why should I explain it to you? This woman cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her. He just got fed up because she just continued to to press him. She then ran back and explained it to her people. And before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And Samson's response is just so typical of that angry man. I mean, I would be ticked. And he said, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. And if you didn't catch that, he was calling his wife a heifer. Don't do that, man. Don't you ever do that to your girlfriend or your wife. But it it then says that the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down thirty of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave them their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger he returned to his father's home. Like he didn't even stay with his wife. My man went home, he was so angry. And Samson's wife, listen to this. Samson's wife was then given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Ooh Wait, you talk about a a marriage going wrong real quick and just looking at this this made me think how tough it is to deal with nagging from someone or something that you you like or that you love or you or I should say you think you love and it's not just about women being nagging because i i can picture men saying this too i know men say this too like hey baby you know if you really love me or you like me like you said you do we would have had sex by now Like, this is what people do in 2021. I don't know about this Bible stuff, but I'm a man and I got needs, baby. So, like, you need to go ahead and, you know, we need to do this or I need to move on. And how tough is that for a person, especially if you actually do care, like, or or love that person? And you have the world's message of have sex whenever. That's got to be tough. That's That's a nagging pull that I wouldn't wish upon anyone. But it's real, and I know it happens to a lot of people. And then there's a, a nagging pull that our world or our culture gives us all the time that you need to support people. Like, what does support even look like? Most people or our world tells us that support means that you accept people's wrong. You let them be them and you celebrate them being wrong. But that's not real support. That's not Christian support. And that's a nagging pull that Christians have to constantly deal with all the time what does support actually look like because this this world or our culture i should say is nagging to christians and god's world like let me explain there's a persistent attempt and attack in trying to find fault with the word of god some people's only point is to try to prove your point wrong and people do this with the bible a lot and they don't have any resource besides their feelings or what the culture tells them or what the world tells them and the last thought, like, how how do you deal with nagging when you have a talent or a gift? In Samson's case, we see that Samson's talent or gift was that he had super strength. But I have seen, especially um, coaching, different athletes and people who have athletic talent. And in a lot of cases... They're nagging and pulling on them, and it's like they're not even that good. Like their athletic talent is not going to put them in a position to be a professional athlete. They're not going to be in the NBA or the NFL or the MLB. So don't put that type of pressure or that type of pull on them and make them lose focus of of God and a plan or purpose that he can have for them because you want to vicariously live through them, and you have your own motives. And then every once in a while, there are some athletes who are really, really good. And the question that you have to ask when you are nagging and pulling on them is what is the motive what's the motive do you see this as a check to cash do you see this as a way to boost your ego do you look at all the ways that it can benefit you and if you do have this type of talent in any aspect be careful of the nagging pulls and instead search for the heavenly pushes now let's get back to Samson And something that I want to point out before we get to looking at some more scripture and more of Samson's life. The point is how God uses you one time is not how he's going to use you every time. So in Samson's case, and you should read about this in Judges 15, is God was using Samson to get vengeance upon the Philistines. And long story short, my man Samson went ham. He killed around a thousand Philistine men with a donkey jawbone. Just go read about it. It's, it's amazing. So we see that guy use that for him to get vengeance on the Philistines, but that's not going to be the case each and every time. And there's a time where you might be the voice or you might be the face of the movement, or you might be the leader of something. You might be the, the main reason something was successful, but that's not going to be the case every time. That might not be God's plan each and every time. And what we see in this episode of nagging pool, Samson ended up getting the same type of nagging voice with his next wife. Now the motive for her was a little different. The first wife's motive was just to survive, like she didn't want her family to die it seems. Now the second wife's motive, hers was to get rich. And I'm telling you like T Grizzly said, some people are gonna pray on your downfall because they see a motive. And in this case, her motive was to get rich. But I want you to think about this. Like, I really want you to to, to wrestle with this idea and this thought. Do you ever, like, do you ever think you are the nagging person? Like, for real, think about it. Check your motives. Because we are all selfish and we all want to be served. And you may not realize this, but you want your way more than you think you do. And you care less about another person's way or reason. Like You just got to keep it 100 with yourself. This is all of us. This is me as well. And on this episode of Nag and we're going to get back into the scripture and we're going to look at Delilah. That's Samson's new wife. What was her motive and what was her reasoning? And it says this is what the people said to her. They said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret, him being Samson of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. And I've seen some things that say 1,100 to shekels. And let's just say she's getting paid by five different dudes. That could be from $90,000. And I saw some things that even said she got paid, which would be equivalent to $15 million. So she had a motive. So the nagging pull begins. And sa- Delilah says, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. And this is just funny how Samson answers her. He says, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become weak as any other man. Now, a couple of things I want to point out. This was not God sent. And this was now attacking his purpose. And this was now attacking his identity in God. Another thing I want to point out point out is how samson lied and this is the same for us we lie or we become afraid to be bold about our faith and it's like why are you not having sex with me well i'm afraid of stis or i think my parents will find out and if they find out i can't get a car or when you get that question about is lgbtq plus is is that wrong or when people make fun of you for treating your your girl or your wife Like she's the most prized possession in this world and people look at you like, ooh, you a simp. And then we have to give our tough guy answers, ho, ho, ho. Just think about that. How do you respond to the nagging questions of this world and of our culture? I'm guessing a lot of times we like to give a microwave truth answer. Meaning we say what's safe or we give half truths and don't tell the whole truth and especially don't tell God's truths. But let's keep going with Samson. It says the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Look at what Delilah does next. You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now. Tell me how you can be tied. Samson responds, he says, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become weak as any other man. And just looking at this, when nagging comes, we'll give some answers that are so far fetched from the truth just to shut people up. And I look at myself, sometimes I feel like I don't have the energy to defend my point or I don't want to deal with the back and forth. And just just real talk, wrong people can have some of the most Energy, like I feel like people that are wrong either have no energy or they have the most like there's no there's no in between for them. Let's continue on. though. It says, so Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with the man hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes of his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And the thing about nagging and when you allow yourself to be around those type of nagging pools is nagging all of a sudden will make you feel like you're the bad guy, make you feel like you're the one that's wrong. Especially, especially, especially if you are not in the word and you start to waver, like let's say you start to waver from that absolute truth. You don't know if you're right or you're wrong. You don't know if you're treating the person bad or not. And what we can see and learn from Samson is when we feel like we've survived that nagging pull, it starts to become a game to us. Like, obviously, this had to be a game to Samson to continuously tell her the wrong thing. Know that she's going to tell him the Philistine man beat her and then he pop up out of it and then he just whoops everybody. And whenever we do this, we start to lose focus on the non-microwave truth. And we start thinking of our next lie and how we can stay safe from getting canceled or we try to play it safe, or we think we can be an exception to the rule of playing with fire. And what we see with Samson is he started to think he was an exception to a rule and a promise that God told him like, hey, if you ever cut your hair, you will lose your strength. But let's look at how Samson responds to the nagging pool. He tells her, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So now you can see that Samson is getting closer to to risking it all and avoiding what God has taught him. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric and tightened it with the pen. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from the sleep and pulled up the pen and the loom with the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prided him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So Samson told her everything. He said, no razor has ever been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Man. If you are around consistent nagging, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter. You will feel the weight on your back. Real nagging is going to take some some low blows. It's going to come at you in a way you want to resonate with people most. You, Because we all want to be accepted. We all want to be praised or appreciated or celebrated. And personally for me, I can see nagging come off or, or challenge me if someone was to Talk about me as a mentor or as a coach or as a black man who wants to you know, help his community in and as, as a man who just wants to have impact and inf- influence. And if there was a consistent nagging pull that was in a negative form or fashion telling me this is how you are a good coach or a good mentor or any of the things that I listed, this could be a, a struggle. And I can see why it was a nagging pull for Samson because his wife took a low blow at him. And she took the low blow of, if you really love me, this is how you will be a great husband. But no love for anything or anyone in this world is greater or should be greater than the love we have for for God. And Samson stopped checking in with God and figuring out, God, what is it that you want me to do? And he was more enamored and focused on pleasing his wife. When number one. You always have to be focused on pleasing God, first and foremost, above any and everything in this world. And a side note, Samson shared his weakness. As Christians, when someone shares their weakness with us, we should not hold that against them or try to use it against them and pull a Delilah. Because this is what Delilah, Samson's wife, does next. When she saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands after putting him to sleep on her lap. Dang, that's bogus. She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And it was different this time. It ended bad for Samson. This no good woman got my man Samson seized, his eyes gouged out, and he got locked up in prison. They end, they set him to grinding grain in a prison. That's a heck of a fall from beating a 1,000 men with a donkey jawbone. And I just want you to think about this. The nagging pull of this world, this nagging pull of this world, it will have you in some situations, spiritually and mentally, where you are slumped, and you are in the same state as Samson after he got his hair cut. Helpless, weak, and defeated. So I ask you, what is pulling at you and has you wavering from the non-microwave truths of God? Who is pulling at you and trying to get you to get high like it's Friday and like you don't have anything to do? Are you in denial about this world and our culture's nagging pull to try to get you to forget about God? Are you being a nagging pull to someone? Because we always want to act like it's everyone else. But we got to check ourselves. Are you so selfish or self-centered or just lost that you haven't been noticing the nagging pull you've been doing? And I just want to close with this. A biblical foundation is the main way you can decipher between a nagging pull of this sin-filled world or a heavenly push. I would encourage you to read the rest of Judges 16 and see how Samson called back to God. And I would encourage you to call on our Heavenly Father right now so he can give you that that heavenly push that I'm talking about. Who is the Heavenly Father, though? You won't know him if you don't know Jesus. And and Jesus even explains this to us when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the answer to those nagging pools. He's the answer to those slumps. He's the one who wasn't selfish or self-centered. He's the one who lived the perfect life, died, suffered hell, and rose again so you could avoid you could avoid the nagging pool that is trying to, trying to drag you to hell. He's the reason we can get that heavenly push and don't have to be slaves to the nagging pools of this world. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Nagging Pool. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.